Seriously, maybe some people are counting you out. Maybe some people are looking down on you. But please do me a favor. Do not try to be successful to prove people wrong. Instead, prove God right. It's it's the same thing. But the mindset is so much different. The energy and the spirit is so much different. When you say, you know what? I'm going to prove all them wrong because I could do this. Even though when they doubted me and they counted me out, I'm going to make it happen. I'm blah, 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 whatever that is, right? Like there's a lot of energy behind that that isn't good for you, especially if you're living in that sense of wanting to prove people wrong. But what if you said instead, you know what? I'm going to prove God right. I'm going to prove God right. Meaning that this is the direction that God has taken me and I'm going to prove that God was right. That this was right for me. And when we can get out and shift our mindset to that versus this culture of I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to show everybody I could do this. And then I could do my little aha. I told you so like that is not village mentality. What's going on, family? Welcome to another Project Whetstone podcast, episode number 20, y'all. Episode number 20, 20, 20. We are chugging along, keeping that momentum, sharing with you the Sunday readings. Again, this podcast is brought to you by Blaze Ministry 707, where our goal is to help shape and sharpen your faith by providing all different kinds of perspectives on the Sunday readings. It is a pleasure to serve you in this way. As always, I'm Bro Rye. With me is Brother Jeremy Mallet and Brother Carlo Terrell. What is going on, family? Hello, hello. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Yeah, just for those of you, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you for taking the time to check us out. Again, we are originally from Vallejo. St. Basil's is our roots in Vallejo, California in the 707. But now we have expanded. Yes, we've expanded. I am all the way on the East Coast in Greenville, South Carolina. But the Jeremy Mallet is in Houston, Texas. And Bro Cielo is still holding it down on the West Coast. West Seophilia. So we are, again, just spread out all across different time zones, but still in God's zone. So with that, y'all, again, this is just a, a time that we spend together breaking down readings, asking questions, sharing perspectives, and we allow just the Holy Spirit to continue to inspire us as we pray that it inspires you, that inspires you. So, hey, y'all, last week, July 4th, and I hope y'all had a safe, safe time. Let's see. Brother CeeLo, real quick. Yeah, what was what was it like on the West Coast this year, July 4th? Well, we're in a fireworks free zone. Well, not free zone, but like you're free to do it is what I mean. So, yeah, all night was just fireworks all night. It was hot out here. I think 110s on the day of. But, yeah, it was, you know. But, and we didn't we did not realize this till that night, but this was actually the first Fourth of July that we've spent here in Fresno. Ah, so, nice. Now, the did very you, first. Did you light? Did you have any fireworks? Yeah, we just had a some some ground fireworks because they're th- those are still legal here 
But then we enjoyed everyone else's aerial fireworks all around our neighborhood. So it was nice. We were basically surrounded by a fireworks show. So we just had to, after we used up all ours, we just sat outside for like 10 minutes and watched like literally the whole neighborhood. Someone had a drone <laughs> up in the sky recording all of it. Wow. It was, wow. It was yeah. going off. So yeah, this, this year I started actually like just asking for intercession, St. Francis of Assisi. Just because of how hysterical animals get here in here in South Carolina, they're missing dogs like the most missing animals. Like there was one dog literally that broke through the screen and it was in the house, but it broke through the screen and ran off. And I was <laughs> like, and, and I was telling Danielle, I was like, why, why wouldn't it just stay in the house? And Danielle's like, it doesn't know whether it's inside or outside. It just knows that it sounds it doesn't like. So maybe it's trying to get away from it. And I was like, oh, yeah, you yeah, because they're hearing so much more sensitive than ours. Yeah, so they're so, they're hearing it like it's in front of their face. Yeah, so definitely yeah. praying for praying for the animals. All right, bro, Jay, first Fourth of July in Texas. Talk to us. Actually, it was we we were pretty quiet. We could hear some fireworks going on outside, but we actually stayed in because the girls are like the fireworks weren't, wouldn't be going off till like nine nine thirty or something like that, and their bedtime is around eight o'clock. So <laughs> okay, so <laughs> seven thirty eight. Stick so. to the regimen. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with yeah. that. Nothing wrong with that. All right, all right. Yeah, it but was. I, go ahead. Well, oh, we, we just treated ourselves to some like confetti type Twinkies and, <laughs> and muffins and stuff. There you go. There you go. Fireworks in the stomach. There you go. Fire it up in the belly. Beautiful. Um, Yeah. First 4th of July out here in, and we are actually in Georgia, Bonaire, Georgia near actually, yeah. Bonaire near Warner Robins Air Force Base. And I will tell you, man, we, we bought a Sam's Club, South Carolina. We, they had a little fireworks pack because there's fireworks everywhere all the fireworks stands all the fireworks stores but sam's club had the hookup so we bought like the medium size package and we thought we were about it Woo! i tell you the neighbors daniel's neighbors have we had a couple like i don't know call them mortars but like we had the ones that were super aerial like six of those but they had like pvc pipes like two feet long bro just I felt like I was at Marine World, Marine World, Africa, USA, or Discovery Kingdom Vallejo type stuff. But it was it was everywhere. Like Vallejo, what was like when we were watching fireworks? Did y'all ever like go to the rest area or Target parking lot? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like that, that bro. We were just sitting there watching. Like they had the pro, the professional fireworks <laughs> right next door. Huh? Yeah, bro. That they were <laughs> they were doing it up. So it made me want to go. All right, I'm about to step my game up next year. Next year. It's funny because, because honestly, he's gonna have a vehicle mounted honestly, fireworks. Launcher. Yeah, we did. We did a couple of them the night before, and I was like, oh, okay, we're we're set. And then, bro, like their neighbors came so prepared. And then my father-in-law was like, "Come on, just go." And Danielle was like, "Babe, just just light them up." And I was like, "Maybe we just save them for next year." Because, bro, I really felt <laughs> it, like way intimidated because I was like, "Oh man, I'm gonna look like a straight." Kindergartner you compared to these you didn't cats. You want to be <laughs> on your on your Studebaker next to a Harley. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> Reals, bro. But I held my own. I mixed it up a little bit and got some of the big ones and some of the smaller ones and kind of mixed it all up. But uh, but yeah, man, it, it's definitely 
different than Cali because again, we have a lot of our friends and family in NorCal that weren't able to to do anything. Yeah, man. So yeah, because yeah, of the fires. A, I think it's mm. it's different when you live in a in a fireworks restricted area, and then you go to an area where it's not, and it's like, oh, so it's a whole <laughs> nother world. Yeah. It's oh, like, the, like, like the old school Vallejo days. Because remember when we were yeah, little, yeah, it was like yeah. that back in the days. Henry yeah. Ranch Park. Y'all yeah. know about Henry Ranch, man. They were yeah. digging holes for those mortars. Anyways, that's, we're going to talk yeah. about that Old days. Pre-Oakland <laughs> pre, pre Hills fire Pre-Oakland Hills fire time, yeah. y'all. That was, it was crazy back in Henry Ranch Park, what they were doing yeah. out there. So, cool. Well, I, oh, go ahead, I, I do want to, I do want to add, I forgot to mention that. And and this is the stuff that I enjoy as a father. I had like a hour and a half long conversation with Zeri about the Fourth of July, about mm-hmm. just the history behind it. And we had, I think it was the Band of Brothers, one of my favorite television series, running in the background. So it was, it was pretty fun to be talking to my eight year old son about the history of our country and how we got here and all the little nuances that you might not think about when you examine american history but it was good it was i was like oh he's really getting into this so that was that was that was a fun part of the fourth of july for me Hmm. yeah no absolutely i think the more conversations we can have to educate to just think about and dwell on history current events all those kinds of things are going to help shape the young minds of of tomorrow so, and and I'd rather be the one to have those conversations than someone else in the sense that if you are warranted the opportunity, so for all of our listeners out there, parents have spend that time with your children, whether it's their faith, whether it's American history, whether it's culture, whether it's current events. And obviously we want to be mindful and appropriate for the ages that we're speaking to, but not necessarily like sugarcoating, cover things up, but just really helping them understand and getting curious to what they're thinking. Because I feel, really feel like that's where, even with faith and even with religion, so much has been lost in translation with the culture and with young people or young parents maybe not being as formed. And, and again, not to fault anyone per se, right? Like we all have have fallen short in our own ways and are still learning and growing. But I feel like those conversations, like you had mentioned, bro, Silo's like, that's where it's going to imprint the, even the idea of having a conversation around different topics and different subjects. That's going to train Zary to really be willing to listen because yeah. we, we can't learn about, or we can't teach something that we don't know about. Like, I was listening to this podcast around like two ears, one mouth, right? We're here. We're meant to listen twice as much as we are meant to speak. And we will listen or we will learn more when we listen. And so a great exercise, no matter what the topic is. And so for our listeners listening to this, thank you for listening because that's hopefully that's that's our goal and intention is to really help you learn about the faith through these different lenses through the theology, through scripture, through tradition, through the catechism, through practical day-to-day analogies, just all different kinds of ways we want to share that with you. So, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to develop my sons to be critical thinkers. 
I even told him, like, don't just believe me. One day when you're old enough to to do the research on your own and to critically look at the evidence, I want you to understand it for yourself and not just take my word for it. And and it was it was really good to be able to share some history for him to kind of gnaw on and just think about the nuances. Because I've always, I've always taught him, because there was a point, especially during pandemic school, um, where the social studies part, he didn't understand why he had to do it. He was like, why do we have to learn about this and that? And I'm like, I wanted him to understand that history is a good indicator of how humans behave in similar situations. And I gave him examples like, you know, there was a pandemic in 1920, 1919, 1920, and people behaved the same way they did back then as they do today. You had what they called the anti-mask league back then. And in the same way, you had people today not wanting to wear masks for you know multiple reasons but it's just it's interesting to see that when a situation arises that's very similar people tend to act and behave in similar ways as they did in the past and that's why by understanding your history you could kind of predict a little bit about the future mm-hmm. yeah absolutely absolutely and and i'm curious bro jay being the theologian that you are when it comes to the girls and their their development, would you like what would be your approach towards you know faith and reason? Does does you teach one before the other? Do you teach them at the same time? Or like how do you when do you start like introducing those concepts? Or have you have your is there like what is kind of your thought in terms of how you can discuss faith and reason or even teach that to the girls? Well, it's, it's a lot of little things here and there, but it's a, really a lot. <laughs> it, it can be as, as simple as, like one thing that we're really on the girls re- on about right now is, hey, don't stomp around the apartment. There's people living below us. And it's kind of teaching them to have that awareness for other people and have be considerate of other people. And, and I realize that now that kind of goes a long way because we've been doing some house hunting out here and like some people just really don't take care of their houses. And it was something that it reminds me of what mother Teresa said that you don't wash your, you don't do your dishes for you. You do it for the person who's going to use it after you. And, and that's, that's a sign of love, you know? And I think that's, it's those little things, you know, that little things with great love is what we're trying to instill in, in them. And it's just, so it's just being consistent, praying every day, praying before meals, praying. Uh, to be honest, in the last few days, because because of the changes and, and we haven't been doing our morning prayer, and we should get back on that. But we definitely do our nightly prayer. And when they're scared, we tell them it's okay to be scared, but you. Um, Remember, you can always pray to Jesus and <laughs> and and hug your bunny and all. You know that's a, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. No, that's that's great. Just, I love I love that. Like just using the everyday things, like not mm-hmm. stomping your feet. Like usually, you don't stomp your feet because someone's downstairs and you're gonna get in trouble. Like <laughs> usually, there's some type of scare tactic or threat to stop mm-hmm. a behavior, but it's like. Let's be mindful that let's be considerate of other people. And then you can always use that again later on 
when it comes to other people who may not believe the same as us or think the same as us or look the same as like just the idea of even being considerate or considering all different types of things. So I think that, again, just like you said, the little things and just using those lessons. So, again, for our listeners, y'all, nuggets, write these down. All right, y'all, we want to share it from all different kinds of perspective because God is in everything, everywhere and all that we do. But it's really, truly up to us to to recognize it, honor it, acknowledge it and bring it to light. I feel like it's that simple. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's that simple. God will provide for us signs and and then again, nothing miraculous or things that are just supernatural, but just in everyday situations, God is present. And that's where we pray and hope for all of our listeners and each other that we can recognize that even in the hardest times, even in the most challenging and difficult times. So that is what continues to fire us up. Thank you, fellas, for sharing your wisdom. As always, I'm always taking notes, soaking it up like a sponge. I am the editor of the podcast, so I do get a little extra time with y'all. So, yeah, y'all, we're in the 15th Sunday. Yes, the 15th Sunday of Ordinary Time. As I mentioned again, episode number 20. Yeah, two zero. So, um, as always... We're going to go ahead and we're going to start with what are the themes of today's readings? Because, again, we are very intentional. The Catholic Church is very intentional with how the readings are put together and how they're all connected from start to finish. So, as always, I'm going to shoot it over to Brother Jay to break down the theme of today's readings. So we're going to be hearing a lot about grace and commissioning and by grace, we, we mean that God's free gift, that God um, gives us what are ultimately spiritual goods to help us. And what it really is, at, at, in essence, is his life. He's giving us various aspects of himself so that we can become like him. And it's through that, that sanctifying grace, but just all kinds of graces infused and, and sanctifying that we grow into the image of his son and he's he's calling us and he's giving us these graces not just so that we can have it but so that we can share it in that in in that way he's it, it, there's a commissioning happening and that and by this commissioning we're literally being given a mission being brought together with our mission so that we can we are empowered to do what is in accord with God's will, you know, and what he wants for us. And, and that in God's will, God's plan is, is for our happiness. As we, as we hear the famous uh, verse from the book of Jeremiah, that his plans for us are not for woe, but for our benefit. And, and ultimately this is leading us to, to our perfection in, in heaven as saints. So that's what we're going to be reading about today. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, grace and commissioning. I love, I've been using that word a lot lately when I think about the different transitions and the, the ways I've been, I've been moving lately, moving in my, my daily. And it's been, I've been always telling myself to just move with grace, to move with grace, to be graceful 
I'm even with myself or to have grace as I'm moving forward. So I'm excited to jump into today. And so, yeah, so we're going to go right into our first reading. Our first reading comes from the book of Amos. Yeah, the book of Amos. Again, we're in the Old Testament, y'all. Book of Amos, chapter 7, verses 12 through 15. Amos 7, 12 through 15. So the prophet Amos is, a, is an interesting prophet. He's considered a minor prophet. He lives a few hundred years after King David. And and so I believe he, he lives either leading up to the Assyrian Empire, the occupation of the Assyrian Empire of Israel, or possibly around the, the Babylonian exile, or for shortly before that. But he's, he's definitely a stern prophet who's often associated with gloom and doom. He comes with a lot of warnings and a lot of harsh words for Israel because he was living at a time where Israel <clears throat> was was not living up to the identity that they were supposed to have as God's chosen people and they weren't they weren't following the law they were forgetting who they were they were forgetting the commandments they were forgetting their history their heritage by this time they they did have the the temple but they weren't they were giving themselves to idolatry and and serving other other gods and worshiping in uh, other religions and and ways like that and so amos was was commissioned by god to come and be that warning prophet we talked about prophets last week and so here amos is is doing what God has asked them to do, which is to go to Israel and tell them, hey, if you keep going on in this path, Israel is going to be in real. And so priest of Bethel, which in, in Hebrew, by the way, is, means house of God. Amaziah is this, is this priest of Bethel who's, who's tired of hearing Amos speak all these gloom and doom prophecies. And he, he gets tired of him to the point where he says, off with you, go somewhere else and earn your bread. Make make your money prophesying somewhere else because we're tired of it here. And Amos responds, I was no prophet, nor have I belonged to a company of prophets. What he's basically saying is many prophets, scribes, or people in, in those various offices, a lot of these businesses or industries were kind of family family businesses. And so if you were like a scribe, usually your father was a scribe and his father was a scribe and it was, it was kind of passed on or, or you came into the company of, and were part of a guild of, of people who did this thing. But Amos was, was not this commonplace prophet. His calling came directly from God. And that was, that was a presumption on Amaziah's part that he was just an, a prophet who was just trying like everyone else, to get their bread, to get their money and, and get by. But he's, he tells him, I, I had a different job. I, had, I was doing something else. I was a shepherd, and I, was, and I, I trimmed hedges, basically, which is, which is what a dresser of sycamores was. They, they trimmed the, uh, trim the trees and, and things like that. But he says that the Lord took me from following the flock and go prophecy to my people Israel. And so it was this commissioning is, is, is this word from, from God. 
is a grace to his to the people of Israel. He's sending Amos as the grace to Israel to let them know that if they continue on this path, they're on the path to their own destruction. But it was also a gift to Amos that his life was was changed, that he he was called upon to do uh, this great work, even though he was just a, a lowly shepherd. And it, there's there's something here to to look at. I forget his name now, but there, there was a, a speaker in the Sacramento Diocese who who often commented that God has this love affair with with shepherds. And Cain and Abel, Abel was a shepherd, right? David is also a, a king who would later become King David was also a shepherd. And Jesus talked about himself as the good shepherd and used parables. He spoke in parables about shepherds and, and sheep. And so there's something here about how God loves the humble, the people who are, who understand what it means to, to shepherd because that's close to the heart of God who is trying to shepherd his people, Israel. So a lot going on here in, in, a, little, in a little reading. <laughs> no, I love it, bro. I'm like, one of the things that really sticks out to me here is, here's Amos, which isn't famous, right? Not the famous Amos cookie, but <laughs> my man is like, I'm a shepherd. I'm a landscaper. I'm the dresser of these sycamores. But yet, like we talked about last week, the profit mindset, do it anyway. The calling on his heart, the calling from God, the, the God speaking to him to just share this message. It was like, do it anyway. Even though people may write you off, they may think you you have ulterior motives. You're just trying to make your bread, literally and figuratively speaking. And and Amaziah in the beginning, right, is off with you, visionary, flee to the land of Judea. Like he's like, bounce, bro. Like you out here trying to make your bread, but he's like. I was already, I was good with where I was at. And I think this is just a reminder to all of us that we have our careers, we have our hobbies, we have our lifestyles. And for many of us, we're very content with what we have and we're thankful for what we do have. But there's also this side of this reading that just reminds us that, but there's still ways that we have to show up for God. And it may not be in the ways that we're used to. But this is just that reminder, if Amos could do it, so can you. If Amos can speak up and share the message of God to certain communities, and that's what I loved about what you were saying, bro, Jay, is like he was sharing it to certain communities. He wasn't like going everywhere and anywhere. Again, not like some of the disciples in the apostles dropped the net and just left no he was like again this is all old testament so again he couldn't follow jesus but you know this is all old testament so just even thinking about how he wasn't he he received this message and became this messenger to the communities irrespective of his nine to five but he knew he knew that he had to share he knew and he wasn't even claiming to be a prophet because like you said, they prophets back then came from, there was a lineage there. It's like the family business. And so the fact that he stepped out of what he is normally used to doing and what he knows to speak up for God, I think is the key here for me. It's, yes, 
you have your nine to five. Yes, you have your hobbies. Yes, you have your gifts. Yes, you're doing things that you're great at and that you love. However, there may be times where I may need you to be my voice. There may be times where you need to be the voice of reason. You may need to be the example. You may need to be the messenger. So like you said, this unofficial, like, you know, how you put in the notes, he wasn't a professional prophet, but he definitely had a powerful message and just him being able to step up and, and share that with his background. It's just a reminder that each and every one of us, whoever your community is now, it might be your family community, it might be your work community, it might be your circle of friends, it might be whoever it might be. May God has a God will always have something for you to share. And I think that's where God's abundance is always important to remember. There will always be something to share of God that can be as simple as not stomping your feet. Because there's people downstairs sleeping and being considered in that way. Like there's so many ways that we can be just like Amos. Not to be famous, but just to be Amos. One thing I'm wondering about Amos is his transformation from his old profession into being a prophet. And I look back a little bit. Jeremy, maybe you could fill me in. Does does it, is there any backstory as to how he became a prophet from what he was originally? There, there is, but I just haven't didn't take the time to look at it yet. No, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, neither have I. My, my commentary is still in storage. <laughs> no worries. Well, uh, the reason why I asked that, or the reason why I'm I'm dwelling on it, is because we we know the transformation of, of some of the other famous characters in scripture. Like we know Saul got knocked off his horse and became Paul. We know that some of the disciples were fishermen and here comes Jesus walking by and says, come and follow me. I'm sure it was a little more detailed than that, but the reason why I bring that up is because I think oftentimes especially in our society today, maybe even more so in certain cultural environments within our families, within different communities. There's this kind of ongoing theme that if you don't achieve what you set out to achieve, there's almost this hesitant but present criticism. Like, oh, well, he said he was going off to college to become this, but look, now he's just this. Or he said he was going to be a doctor, but he never made it. Oh, or this guy said he was going to start a a business and start employing a whole bunch of people, but that never happened. And what comes to mind with Amos is just, man, I wonder what the transformation was there. How did he get to this point? And the point I'm trying to get to is this concept that if you truly let God steer, because again, there's this, this, there's this cooperation that you have to have. And I know there's some of us who follow Christ that try to fully cooperate. And then there's, there's a population of people that don't feel the need to even think about that kind of stuff. 
Amos is another example of many examples of where God's going to call you up to the major leagues when he needs you. All of a sudden, one day, hey, I need you to go do this. This is what I need you to do for me. And this is a very important part of the mission, the overall mission of salvation history. And what I'm trying to convey is that there might be times in your life, and I'm speaking out to the listeners, where you might hit a brick wall. You might be going down the fast lane, and I'm not talking about a car accident. I'm talking about you are going down the fast lane in life. You've planned your life. You've set it up. You've set all these check marks in your plan to achieve this certain goal that you had out in front of you. And you've told all your friends and all your family and you went off and you tried to achieve that. And then somewhere along this path that you've been trying to follow, that you set for yourself, you hit a brick wall. Things didn't go the way you wanted it to. You didn't get into that school you wanted to. You didn't land that job that you wanted to. You didn't complete the program that you said you would. And I know that there's many people out there who have experienced this. I've experienced it. I remember there's one point in my college my college years where I was just like, what am I doing? And I just had to take some time off. And I felt really lost. I it's it's odd because I used to work at Costco during this period in time. And I remember I would purposely ask to work outside and push carts even though it was it was 90 degrees outside which in Vallejo at the time that's really hot for for Vallejo weather and I would just go out and push carts because it gave me a chance to just think to, to contemplate what am I doing with my life and the way it kind of circles back to 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 Amos's example of him telling us like dude I already had something I was doing but God called me to do this is to offer the perspective that one day in your life, you might hit a brick wall. And if you hit that brick wall, it's not that you're a failure. It's not that you're an embarrassment. It's not that you're not doing what you're supposed to do. It might just be that what God needs you to do is far off from where you thought you were going to be. And that brick wall isn't there to stop you and to fail you. It might be there to redirect you. And I think that's something we have to keep in mind in terms of how God works sometimes. And I believe hearing this story of Amos is a good example of that. He had everything that he needed. He had everything that was going for him. And like like we talked about last week with prophets, sometimes prophets have to deliver messages that aren't very popular and here we see that he's delivering a message and people are tired of hearing it. They're like, nah, I don't want to hear it anymore. Go away. But yeah, this is the job that God placed on his shoulders and that he was going to complete whether people around him liked it or not. And so, again, I'm trying to relate it to experiences in, in young life, adult life. If you hit a brick wall, if you lose your job... You get fired from it for whatever reason. You you didn't get that job that you wanted. Maybe it's because you're being redirected into a different path, just like Amos was. And rest assured, whatever you're being redirected to is something that is of the utmost importance. 
in salvation history and an entire plan for for saving souls. So, you know, just remember that next time you you hit a bump in the road that's that just shakes you to the core. Yeah, it's going to suck. It's not going to feel great. There's going to be a lot of emotions behind it. But again, sometimes you just have to hold on to that intellectual, that intellectual understanding of faith that, hey, God hasn't led me astray yet and he's not going to do so now. And this is all for the better of, of everything. This is all for the benefit of the kingdom and and to hold on to that. Man, for sure. But like, and as you're just sharing, bro, Silos's idea of God's plan versus man's plan. Because like you had mentioned with your situation with schooling, I think as a young adult, how many different times that I want to be so many different things. When I worked at Napa State Hospital, state job, steady, secure. I was in my early 20s. I was, you know, balling out. Yeah. I was making all yeah. this bread. And it was like, yeah, you think you made it. I was like, yeah, yeah. You, think you made it, right? I was like 40 years and I'm going to yeah. retire and I'm all good yep. to go. And, and again, God's plan versus man's plan. And it was like, how do you make God laugh? You tell him your plan. And, and yes, in those moments of like redirection, it was really hard for me to understand back then. But after taking the leap, being that guy, like, <laughs> like you said, like, Hey, it's like, bro, just keep moving with your message, man. Keep moving. Like yeah. people are like, I'm tired of hearing that. And I remember there are times where I would get that kind of feedback with just whether it be my motivation, positivity, my faith, whatever. But that's the one thing that I've always been consistent about. And like I shared with y'all brothers a couple of weeks ago, where one of the young brothers that we served, that was part of our ministry back then reached out and was like, man, you ain't never changed in terms of being a light and just always staying positive and always sharing your faith no matter what you've been through you still that's the one thing that's been consistent about you and it's showing up and i was too young to understand it back then so so just yeah. for our listeners right there or just whether you're struggling with careers whether you're struggling with relationships not just your faith but just maybe where life is taking you right now in this moment and i think that's the downside to our culture is if you, you know, declare a major in college, which yeah, I think yeah. trying to or ask, even if you just say you're going to college, you yeah. know? <laughs> or trying to yeah, exactly like expecting an 18 year old to know what they want to do for the rest of their life. That's just right. unfair. And I get it, like have a plan and and at least have an idea. But I think when those shifts, when those things start to shift and those goals start to change, instead of looking down on someone or saying, man, they just, what are they doing now? Like, I think that's yeah. where our culture has, needs to become the village to say, you know what? Mm -hmm. Rye was doing the hospital thing, but we knew he wasn't fully alive there. This is where he needs to be. And then that's where I feel as a culture, as a society would to have that village mindset instead of yeah. saying that, we comparing or like, oh, there he goes again, doing the thing, and it's like, yeah, because that that has that extra spice when you're you're kind of getting looked down upon about the people that you care about. It's like, wait, and and that just affects the mental well being of people in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like to to be called a failure, and it's not till years later you're like, man, this is how it was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, and and but I'm then those. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, bro. Go ahead. I was just going to say, those those words still hurt. Absolutely. When you get it from parents, from aunties, oh, you're not doing that anymore, huh? Oh, okay, what are you going to do now? I was like, wait. Hey. <laughs> like, oh, well, it's, it's like entrepreneurship. Like, that is yeah. a foreign language to our parents and their generations yeah, like, above what's them. What's that? <laughs> 
no and again no diss right like all love but just when you talk about entrepreneurship and you share those concepts and ideas you know automatically what's the health benefits 401k is there a retirement and again not that those things aren't important because they are but i feel like if we don't start moving with the times and understanding that then you know we'll, we'll always be stuck but what i was gonna say was and it just slipped my mind saying anthony bring it back it was we were talking about oh here we go there you go yeah so so when we do have these different changes in our life for our listeners i'm just gonna share this with y'all straight up take this one in write this down when you think about how god redirects us in our life and and people are necessarily maybe some people are counting you out maybe some people are looking down on you but please do me a favor do not try to be successful to prove people wrong instead prove god right it's it's the same thing but the mindset is so much different the energy and the spirit is so much different when you say you know what i'm gonna prove all them wrong because i could do this even though when they doubted me and they counted me out, I'm going to make it happen. I'm blah, 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 whatever that is, right? Like there's a lot of energy behind that that isn't good for you, especially if you're living in that sense of wanting to prove people wrong. But what if you said instead, you know what? I'm going to prove God right. I'm going to prove God right. Meaning that this is the direction that God has taken me and I'm going to prove that God was right. That this was right for me. And when we can get out and shift our mindset to that versus this culture of I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to show everybody I could do this. And then I could do my little aha. I told you so. Like that is not village mentality. That is not village mentality. And so for all of our listeners right now who are struggling with that kind of stuff, because maybe you're following, you're truly following your heart and you're truly following a call that you feel God has put on your heart or you're discerning that, just keep in your mind, I want to prove God. And even if that means you shift and pivot to another profession or another field and it takes you somewhere else, just continue to prove God and keep that in the forefront of your mindset instead of proving people wrong. Right, like when we were moving out here, there are a couple folks who didn't doubt us as like Danielle and I, but they're like, Y'all will be back. And we we're like, What? And they're like, Oh, people of South Carolina, man, they so racist, bro. Y'all be back. I was like, Have you ever been out there? Like, no, but <laughs> they're going off just stuff that they heard. And I'm like, Man, y'all really counting us out like that. And, and, and naturally, I was like, I'm gonna prove y'all wrong. Like, like we ain't coming back, but no, 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 I'm not proving y'all wrong, I'm proving God. Wrong. So yeah, just just that just came up for me. Sorry to to hog the mic, man. Bro, Jay, any, any thoughts on that that we on what we just shared? But I was looking quickly through the book of Amos. It's a short book. And, See, uh, Carlo, you got them all messed up. Asking him <laughs> about Amos, man, making him do extra work. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm it, just kidding. It's, but it, there's not really too much. Like this is this is kind of the extent of his of his. His explanation, Biography. right? Yeah, like his his own, because yeah, like, <laughs> like, because in the very beginning of the book, it just says that he's he was a sheep breeder, and then yeah, he started. <laughs> That's receiving, it. I was like, like, hello, here we go. So and, yeah, but uh, um, but th- just to uh, kind of connect it with what we've been talking about in in life trajectories, 
you know, when I was going to school at DSBT, the, the Dominican School of Philosophy and Theology, a lot of my classmates were Dominican brothers and priests. And, and so I got to hear a lot of vocation stories. And it was interesting to hear how, how many of, of them were saying things like they were working as an engineer or at an, an, at an airport or in a bank and they're making good money, but they just, they kind of had this moment of, is this really it? Have, is this all there is to life? And, and then obviously they, they were there in, in a white habit right there next to me, studying theology and, and scripture and, and philosophy and things like that. And so they had this, that, that moment of God kind of simply saying to them, placing that little urging in their heart to just say, there's more. I need you over here to see it. You know? mm, come on, <laughs> and, bro. Yeah, Deacon Arrow. Mm-hmm. Deacon Arrow. <laughs> I remember <laughs> Deacon Arrow. Shout out to Deacon Arrow Kissinger. I remember when we first met in high school, he was working for PG&E. He was big timing in PG&E. And I remember when I became a young adult and I got into age of like looking for work, I knew PG&E had like good money, good benefits. And I was like, yo, Uncle E, can you plug me with a job? I'll be a meter reader. I'll climb a pole, whatever, like, you know, and he had, he had, he was well connected in, in his HR department or whatever. And, but just thinking about like, look at his life now, thinking about as a deacon. So man, that's, yeah, we, we, we see so many of those, those transitions and those changes and those, I don't even know if it's even called a sacrifice. Would y'all consider it a sacrifice? Like, I don't know. I mean, in, in the process, it might seem like it, but I feel like now that I'm on the other side of the the fold, after things have changed, it's like, man, this turned out so much better than, than I would have planned it for myself. So I'd, I'd even say like, I, I benefited from it. It was, it was a raise, so to speak. Just cause I'm, I'm like, I could think about it right now. Like I could be, you know, not, not that I didn't enjoy my job as a, as a firefighter um but there was times where i'm just like man this is taking a lot out of my family and now i'm that i'm in this position not not as financially wealthy as i would have been it's like dude i'm getting more time with my kids than most people do and and i'm looking at that as that's that's a huge blessing that's far from a sacrifice yeah, most definitely. Look at that Amos pulling it out of us. God is speaking through Amos, through us, through Bro J. Let's go. Yeah, y'all. So, um, so again, for just the first reading, just thinking about that where you are in your life and how we can really connect with just this beautiful piece of scripture in so many ways. And as always, followed by the first reading is our responsorial. Yes, and our responsorial comes from Psalm eighty-five. Verses 9 through 14, y'all. Verses Psalm 85, verses 9 through 14. So we respond as a church, Lord, let us see your kindness and grant us your salvation. Uh, and one of the things, of, uh, one of the important themes of scripture that we, uh, when we ask God to, allow us to see something. St. Gregory of, of Nyssa, who's a doctor of the church and brother to St. Basil the Great, he said that in, in the language of scripture, to see 
is to have. And so this psalm is a is asking us to have God's kindness, that God be kind to us and grant us grant us salvation. <clears throat> and so this 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 prayer is really a prayer for grace, you know, to uh, and salvation truly is a grace. It's a gift from God. And one of the things that we always have to be reminded of is that we we do not save ourselves. Our our good works and our growing in virtue, all of our strivings, living justly, those things do not save us. It's 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 God uh, who saves us. But all these those things that I just mentioned, those good things, are well. First of all, the, the are good things that that are evidence of our being conformed evermore into the likeness of Christ. But as we continue to nurture and cultivate those things in us, we we just can't forget that the Holy Spirit is really the is the one who gives the growth. We can do using the analogy we, we use the analogy of of farming and, and plant growing plants before we can do all the things that that is good for a plant to do we can put it in the ground uh, make sure there there's it's fertile with fertilizer and and the plant food and all that kind of stuff we water it make sure there's adequate sunlight and so on and so forth but the we don't actively and directly cause the plant to grow it's that's written in the nature of the seed and that comes from god so in the same way when we nurture the seeds of god's word within us uh it's really god that makes it to bloom into our salvation we're just doing our part and as we've constantly said in the past to give god permission to do to for to allow his word to grow in us to give god that to constantly give that god god that permission to do these things in us and what the, the psalm is really getting at is that what as we cultivate the virtues of kindness and truth telling and justice uh, and peace those are preparations for the kingdom of god the supernatural kingdom of god and these are all human virtues that we can cultivate and we can cooperate with god on but again these of themselves will not save us it's god that will make these to be accessories to our salvation i don't know if i'm, I'm making total sense but what's important uh, for us to realize in this psalm is that we are praying for god's to grant us salvation and and to in so doing god gives us these words to help us to realize that it has to come from god there is no other place where it can come from going back to to the question of of amos's transformation like what i'm feeling from this psalm is this this sense of you're going to need that extra juice to make that transformation because I think all three of us can can attest that going through a transformation when God's redirecting you definitely needs that extra grace because it's hard. 
to kind of roll with the punches of the comments made about our, the trajectory of, of what we're trying to do and people not understanding with the challenges of of trying to buy a new house and, and the challenges of moving across the country and and finding yourself in a new environment. I can only imagine the the, the journey of, of the first apostles, of the first disciples having to go hundreds of miles away to start their ministry work that they've been, you know, commissioned to do. And that's the sense I get. It's like I need I need to see your kindness as kind of a, a motivation to to get to that point of what I need to do. And as as Brother Jeremy mentioned that all all those that extra jewelry that you get just starts to appear as as you're getting that grace and and that's kind of the fruits of of the grace that you're getting as you're doing the work. Yeah, one of the thoughts that I came across as I was praying with this psalm was actually just this one little piece that I think can be really transformational for all of us in the response where it says, Lord, let us, us being us, the community, us, the world, us, the family, us in that plural sense. Because there are some times where we see responses where it's about me or it's an individual type of response. Let me see you or let me, let I, whatever it might, whatever it might be. But I feel like here in this specific psalm, I'm re- I'm really looking at just this idea of like, Lord, let us see your kindness. Just in that first part, let us see your kindness as a reminder of like brother jay was talking about this analogy about watering the seed right god like he does what he does so the seed grows we don't make the seed grow so i think i feel like the same thing happens when we're in communion with each other when we're all in communion in prayer in spirit in community i feel like something is happening within that communion that is only happening because of God. And so when I feel like as we are in this response, Lord, let us see your kindness. Well, imagine what that could be like if we truly all collectively as that village saw the kindness that God has. And next piece, grant us your salvation. Again, just simple wording pieces here for me that just really show how much we should all be petitioning for each other how much we should all be praying for each other pulling for each other helping each other out village mindset village mentality you one bread i mean many many parts but still one body still us So, Lord, let us see your kindness and grant us your salvation. Like, just that word, us, really stuck out to me. Because then it reminded me of that movie, this show, right? This is us. And I'm like, like, there's there's so many realities that we have, even in just in that that sitcom that many people can relate to. So, I'm just like, it's time to really, in, in a weird, not in a weird way, but just in that special way, it's time to go back from me to we from I to us 
to that village mentality. Something about the village is, is really just speaking to me right now in terms of how we can support each other, how we can speak with each other, not necessarily at each other, which we talked about previous podcasts, like Brother Carlo's intro in our last podcast about dignity. And I feel like there's, there's that calling. There's this calling. And as we are in just this prophetic mindset here, there's just so much here to to really take in. But are we taking it in just individually or are we taking it also in? In that it's not just even just about me, but it's about us. And can we be that inclusive community? Can we be the one body that we're called to be? And that's uh, really one of the takeaways I got from from this response here. No, yeah, I, I agree. There's a lot of us, our glory dwelling in our land, and our land shall yield its increase. And so there's a lot of, of that. And, and the, <clears throat> the virtue of justice, the church in its tradition teaches justice as one of the four cardinal virtues and uh, defines justice classically as to give each what is due to them, to give to each what they deserve. And and not in a, a sense of vengeance, you know, like the Batman kind of justice, but <laughs> but like when we say that everyone deserves to not be hungry and deserves a place to, to lay down their head at night. There you um, go again, the universal destination of goods. <laughs> <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah. And and that's a that is an important aspect of of our of our faith and uh, relationship with God, because love of God and love of neighbor are intimately and intricately connected to each other. And and while we ask God to grant us things, we're we're not excused from giving each other what is what they are due from us. We have a, a sense of responsibility to each other, and that's what it. It, it talks about here at the very last verse, justice shall walk before God. So before we can truly experience God's love in full by becoming like him, we have to at least give to one another what we're responsible for, in a sense. Amen. It reminds me of uh, one of the sayings I would always say, to prove to God that you got it is to give it all back. To prove to God that you got it is to give it all back. And the kids' confirmation is like, what do you mean, bro? I'm like, I don't know. What does that mean to you? To prove to God that you got it, you give it all back. And I feel like kind of goes into the theme what you're saying, bro. Just like, yeah, God gave it. Whatever it can be can be so many different things. But to prove that you get it is to give it all back. And I feel like that's easier said than done but that's the the idea of the universal destination of goods the idea of what we i think it was two weekends ago remember bro jay in the and bro Silo, in the response it was like whatever my strengths are i'm going to help with you help supply your needs and vice versa i just another or maybe was that maybe that was maybe that was last week was that last week or two weeks ago i can't remember but but yeah just again all in line in theme, the blessings you have to prove to God that we got it, we got to give it all back. So 
And again, it's going to look different for everybody. All right, y'all. So we are going to go ahead and move right into our second reading. Our second reading today is from the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Again, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Uh, So we're back to Paul and the letter to the Ephesians isn't like other letters in that he's not necessarily addressing the specific concerns of the people in Ephesus. He's kind of speaking generally to all people of the church, all Christians of of his time, just about the faith. And, and, And the Ephesians letter in particular talks a lot about the church. If you look at the whole, the letter as a whole, it's kind of a a theology of the church and what we see in this first part is why a church why did god through christ establish a church in the first place and what we see here is is paul explaining the entire plan of salvation he he, he talks about how he chose us there's, there's us again his people in him before the foundation of the world from even before uh, the world began that god had this plan and when the catechism refers to this plan as there's a few titles that paul gives us in reference to this plan the the plan of the mystery the mystery of of god's will the the mystery of redemption the mystery of salvation all these things are pointing to this uh, this thing that we you know uh, this idea of that that God had a plan and is carrying out His plan through Christ and and what is it what is it looking like how is it taking shape and Christ is is the the climax and the the focal point of this entire of this entire plan from the beginning that um, Jesus Christ was planned. And and we are all just kind of living out this this masterpiece, this this novel, this great epic novel that that God is authoring through history, you know. And and that's what Paul is in in real brief synoptic synoptic form. He's just kind of outlining. He did all these things so that we can be saved through Christ. And and so he, he goes into some certain details, but the whole point of grace, as, as he talks about in the core with the riches of his grace that he lavished upon us, he gives us these graces so that we can be as Christ is. And that's that's the whole point, to be as Christ is. And when we look at, and so that's why we have to be careful about who we understand Christ to be, that he's not just a wise philosopher or some sage where he's just merely a human being. He is God's son who took flesh and became one of us and is the Lamb of God. And that's the image that we are we are striving to be. That That's the, the image of God in us is perfected when we look identical to Christ. In, in the sense, not in the physical sense, we're not all going to grow grow beards and and well, I don't know if he really had a beard or 
some depictions of Christ, he's beardless, but you know, long hair and Jewish and all that kind of stuff. But in the in the spiritual sense, through grace, we become as Christ is by nature. And and he concludes by saying, by kind of bringing us to the present. And so we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, which is the first installment. And he uses the language that we kind of hear in finance, right? The first installment in a payment plan. God wants to give us our inheritance, which is the kingdom of God. But our first installment, the first payment, like our, our good faith money, if you will, is the Holy Spirit, that that's this, this is the sign uh, from God, that this is the whole plan, that what he's doing for us is ultimately making us into saints. And, and I'm not speaking exaggeratedly, that's, that's what we should see ourselves as ultimately becoming, because when you're, only saints are in heaven, <laughs> only saints. And those who are on their way to heaven, we call holy, and they're called the souls in purgatory. We call them holy souls. They may not be in heaven yet, but they're definitely on their way. And so we should see ourselves as as striving to be uh, saints because we are given this this Holy Spirit as the first installment in our plan to be just as Christ is. It reminds me of when I was in New Orleans, Daniel and I was feast day St. valentine's we were out there first time and we were taking a city tour and during the processions for the funerals one of the main songs they play is again because it's a it's a true celebration of folks just lined up on the street the bands playing following the the car, the the funeral, the funeral car, or even the the casket, depending on how they're processing. And the song is when the saints go marching in, hmm. and they're telling us their history. And you're thinking, well, when the saints, oh, when the saints, oh, when the saints go march. I was like, well, at first, I was like, I remember playing that back on the on the piano in my piano days, but now it like it makes sense because as Bro J said, there are nothing but saints in heaven, and that is the goal. And when the saints go marching in, so I found that to be very fitting to how they celebrate and how they, they do funerals and how they process after someone passes. So, so yeah, that just definitely just came to mind. Brosilo, uh, how are you feeling? What are you thinking? What are you gnawing on over there as uh, we're going over this, this letter from Paul to the Ephesians? I, I think we talked about it before how we're destined to be royalty in heaven as as Christ is and there's there's a few connections that's that's going on in my head with what we've talked about before but one part of it I think we mentioned it last week is the idea how what we do here is our training ground for how we will behave in heaven or how we will behave when we are no longer just flesh flesh and bone, but how we've trained our spirit to behave after our body leaves. And I think that's an important concept because I know there's there's always this question, especially amongst non-believers, well, why am I trying to behave for something that might not even happen? Why do I have to behave in a certain way if there's nothing after this? 
And I think one of the things that people of faith realize is that there's so much more to what we are than just our flesh. And, and, and this is a theory. This is a theory. This isn't church teachings. And I often come up with thoughts and theories and thought exercises like I've shared before in the past as, as kind of just a question. I'm not trying to say this is how it is, but you know, the, the thought question is, is our soul completely honest once we die? And the reason why I ask that question is, will our soul have the ability to lie once we've died? Once we're pure spirit or pure soul and our our bodies are gone, can our souls tell lies? And where that took me to is this concept of which is kind of where the concept of training for heaven is is what we're doing down here. Like for instance, if you love wealth so much when you're a soul and you've done nothing but loved wealth all your life and you see the glory of God before you, will you have trained your soul to just be attached to wealth to the point where you can't let go of it and now you're stuck here and you can't get into heaven because you've basically anchored yourself here to that? Or will you have loved your vanity so much that once your soul is standing before the glory of God, will your soul let go of the vanity that you've had? Or will it hold on to that rotting flesh that's now decaying under the ground. And I think, you know, this, and again, that's, that's a a thought exercise of mine, but I think it connects to what the scripture says. And it's trying to remind us like, this isn't where we're supposed to end up, how we're supposed to behave. The end, all of it is not here. The, the reward that we're supposed to get for behaving a certain way isn't going to be bestowed upon us here. It's going to be up where God has a place for us. Yet he saved the seat for us. Whether we want it or not, the seat is there and it's up to us to behave in a certain way to get us there. And it's not just about looking good here and, and, and making everyone go, oh yeah, he's holy because he behaves. But, you know, again, the theory that I'm, I'm still, again, I don't know why I have these theories. I'm not a theologian myself, but, you know, the theory of training our soul to behave a certain way down here so that we behave up there or we, we behave as a soul, as a spirit. And I feel like that ultimately will will open up the doors for God to say, yeah, this is this is for you. Congratulations, welcome. You truly are a citizen of heaven because you've lived that way all of your earthly life. Yeah, thank you for for sharing that, bro. And part of our theme was commissioning. And the part that really has like stuck out to me 
in this reading. So again, context, Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesians. However, like Bro J mentioned, this is even more just like theology of the church. So in the piece that says, you know, in him, we were also chosen right there. We go. We were also chosen, destined in accord with purpose of the one who accomplishes all things according to the intention of his will so that we might exist for the praise of his glory. Okay, and this is where it really like ramps up for me. The next in the next line over, it says, In him you also, who have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. So again, in him you also have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed in him. And this is the the beautiful piece right here were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So imagine this for a moment. Just visualize that. You heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and then you believed in him. And that was all sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, which is just the first installment of our inheritance. So automatically, fast forward to 2021, each and every one of us who have heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and who believe in him, who also were promised the Holy Spirit and how we receive that through the sacraments, like this is the first installment of our inheritance. Again, it goes on to read toward the redemption of God's possession to praise to the praise of his glory. But I think about like, Whoa, if this was the first installment, and again, just just my own way of thinking, I can imagine what else does God have planned for us? What else does God have for you in your life right now? If you are in even that belief of hearing the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, believing in him, and then being sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. If you are living in that, like right now, again, I think about just this idea of installments of the inheritance. And I know that there are many other, and Jay, feel free to, to share a little bit too as well. Like if if there was a like official second, third, fourth, fifth installment, if there, you know, how that goes. But I just think about just this idea that the first installment of our inheritance to me that says there's more to me that says this is just the one of many promises that god has but but there's a responsibility which is where the commissioning piece comes in like god is like here y'all like i'm gonna provide but y'all have to do work it's not going to be easy, but it will be worth it. And here's the first installment. Here's the Holy Spirit. Here you. Here's part of your inheritance. There's more where this came from. The saints go marching in. But it's just not an automatic pass. It's not just, oh, you know, you're baptized, receive your Holy Communion, confirm, you get to go like, nah. There is much work to do which is where i feel like the response and even the story of amos when it's it's on your heart when god calls you are you willing to step out and step up
so so yeah just really just thinking about like wow like the first installment and there is so much more that god wants for us and that will bless us with like i would always say but we'll never know what god has planned for us if we don't stick with god <laughs> like we'll never know his plan if we don't stick with him so so for our listeners right now like where are you right now are you still rocking with god like that or do you just know that he's good but don't really see the good in your own life i don't know there's so many different ways that we can have that perspective but here again another reminder the promised holy spirit came the first installment there's abundance there there's abundance bro jay any any thoughts on on that before we uh get into today's gospel well one thing that that christ shows us is he too had the holy spirit rest upon him in his in his baptism and that's when is from that moment on we can kind of see what what god has in store for us by looking at the life of christ and what happened once the the holy spirit came to rest upon jesus and what did he do he he taught he drove out demons he healed he was out preaching sharing the good news and and his reaching the the climax of you know the cross and he being able to save the world by being condemned by the world it it it's an act of god to 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 take something as as something like suffering and and some of the worst kind of suffering to take that and to make it salvific that's that's a miracle in in the in, in the strongest sense of it it's the miracle and and that's really what when we when we receive the holy spirit and are sealed with it in our confirmation we can expect to see the same thing in our life that god can take our struggles our suffering and make it salvific for us and for others yeah and that's um and to and as brother carl mentioned one of the things that we'll see if we if we have been faithful is our soul will testify to the suffering and, and the things that we went through but it, it'll be god who tells us that but through your suffering the these people were able to know my love and i think that's really how the, the what that first installment is going to to develop into is that a life that is identical with christ beautiful bro yeah this yeah no this is this definitely again just resonating with with us in, in so many different ways and and yeah also again take this in as you are are with us on this pod just if you have your notebook with you taking notes down take your time with this i think it's one of the most important things that we're reminded of even in how we take things in it's just really take your time with this because there is so much there that god is putting there for you that there's so much more there so 
So we're going to jo- we're going to go into today's gospel reading, the Gospel of Mark chapter 6 verses 7 through 13. So this week's gospel comes right on the heels of last week's gospel which we heard about when Jesus says a prophet is not without honor except in his own native place and among his kin. So right after that Jesus gathers together the the 12 they do a huddle right with the 12. Remember the 12 are is that the kind of like inner circle of Jesus and they they represent the 12 tribes of Israel and that's an important number because one of the prophecies about the restoration of Israel for the and the long-awaited Messiah was that the 12 tribes would be restored and and so the 12 are, are symbolic of the 12 tribes but anyway so Jesus brings them together gathers them together and he gives them authority over unclean spirits before sending them out two by two and he instructs them take nothing for the journey but a walking stick so that means no food no sack no money in their belts and these were kind of the standard things when you're traveling in the ancient world remember they don't have cars they didn't have trains they were still kind of developing horses as transportation but usually only the rich had horses and so this is this would have been a, a bit of a a strong command from christ quite demanding one at that but what he's ultimately doing is he's asking them to trust in god's providence and in the generosity of the people that they come across so the only thing that they were to bring with them is the the clothes on their back and their sandals and so they were to go off and travel and they were to basically beg for a place to stay and if people welcome them great they can do their work from the, from there and if uh, they didn't they shook off the dust from their feet and they kept going and and but what's what's interesting about this is that they are given the authority from Christ and they do the same exact things that Christ did preach repentance drive out demons and cured people those are the things that Christ was doing right before this happened and so there's a real sense in which Jesus is handing over or he's he's kind of training them to be like him and but again that that authority comes from christ and they only have this authority through christ well they don't have this authority of their own it's just a part of the deal that they have to be connected to christ they have to follow these these instructions otherwise they they kind of lose that connection but it this has always been a a gospel reading that's a, a bit partial to me as a as a kind of confirmation son of of saint francis of assisi when saint francis of assisi was was forming his order in the very fledgling stages of of his order he was looking for a rule something to follow and and so they did a i forget the name of it and it's kind of superstitious but so we don't really practice it in this way anymore but as as they were looking for a rule to follow what saint francis did was they went to their local church prayed and then opened the gospels and to in three they opened it to three different places but all of them included this idea of of getting rid of your wealth and not taking very many things with you 
And that was, uh, this was at the heart of his, the rule of the vow of poverty that, and that they really embraced this, this poverty as uh, a part of their life, that they were to beg for everything yeah, and to become less than others. Yeah. And the, the gesture there is that because they want to rely entirely upon the providence of God and the providence of God also comes through the goodness and the generosity of others because God is the author of all good. And so when, when someone gives generously to someone who is in need, that's in, that can only be attributed to God because God is goodness itself. Coming back to the, the, the theme, Jesus is commissioning these 12 and giving them authority and asking them to rely upon God's providence. Many people will experience and should experience that that call to religious life and life of poverty. And there, there's some degree of poverty that we are all called to in that we should be detached and not become overly, you know, like Brother Carlo was talking about earlier with, if we condition our souls to be overly attached to worldly goods, that can weigh us down and keep us from getting uh, to living in heaven, even here and now. But if we detach ourselves from these things, we are more readily able to attach ourselves to spiritual goods, to spiritual blessings. And that's really what, what Jesus is trying to train his disciples to do. And so a lot of grace and commissioning here that is, is being kind of sampled by the 12 to, to give us an example of what it means to be a disciple of Christ that we are given authority and that we are asked to rely upon God's providence to do the rest. Amen. Amen. A couple of things that I love about this reading, and I'm just going to share them real quick before I pass it on to Brother CeeLo. In the first, in the very first line, right, Jesus summoned the 12 and began to send them out two by two. So two points I want to just really share with y'all is this number one. Yes. As brother Jay was saying, this is about this commissioning and being sent out, but look, you are not sent out to do it alone. First and foremost, there may be times where yes, you will be alone like Amos, right? but Jesus is saying here, look, I'm going to send you out two by two. So number one, you're not, you don't have to do this alone. Thinking about your faith. Yes, your faith is individual for you and your relationship with God. But when it comes to going out and sharing the word, sharing the, the good news, your ministry work, whatever it might be, like you don't have to do it alone. But the second piece around not doing it alone is don't just do it with anyone. I think is the other piece that really sticks out to me because Jesus, again, out of the 12 and he sends them out two by two. So he paired them up in the sense that here are two folks who are going to do the work. They're going to need to rely on each other. They could be considered equally valuable if we want to just kind of make it a little easier to, to kind of think about. So when I think about that, it's like us in this podcast, like we are not alone doing this podcast. We are equally valued in what we bring and we know the mission and we know the purpose of the podcast. We know exactly 
what our intentions are and why we want to put this content out and we're being sent out in that sense. So just, just in that very beginning, God is reminding us, Jesus reminds us in the scripture, like, don't go alone and don't just go with anyone. Find those friends that really got your back. Find those spiritual friends, kind of like in the scripture. I can't remember off top where you know, it's the paralytic and he has four friends that not just carry him. Who's this man's paralyzed and he's there. Jesus is in the, in the house and he's out there healing folks. Not only, and there's this long line, man, and you got to have some ride or die friends to really want you to be healed that much that they carry him on top of a roof. All right. They let him, let him down through the roof because they wanted their friends to be healed so badly. So who can you partner with? Who can you meet with, serve with, pray with, listen to, Bible study with, go to mass with? Oh, again, not is perfect or doesn't have it all figured out and isn't as smart as Scott Hahn or as passionate as passionate people are, right? But just like, <laughs> who can you be with? That understands the mission, right? And again, just from that first line, don't go alone and don't just go with anyone. Second or next piece I want to share, bring nothing with you, no food, no sack, no money, nothing. What does that tell you? You already have everything you need because you are riding with someone who's going to have your back, who's going to be there with you, that be, be there by your side. You already have what you need and God is going to prove that to you. And like Brother Jason and Brother Carlos said, all those other things are going to weigh you down. All those other things are going to be like, oh, wait, I got to have this. Like back in the days, and sometimes like when I travel, I like overpack. And Danielle looks at me like, bro, when can we get to the point where we could just do carry on? Like I'll, <laughs> I would bring heck of extra workout stuff and shoes and sh- She's like, for real? So it got to the point where I don't even pack no more. To be honest, I just let her pack because we could all fit in one luggage because it's just a reminder to me, like, if I worry about these things, not only is it going to weigh me down, but it's going to cost extra on the plane. So, again, just using different analogies. But what weighs you down in your life that takes you off the mission, that makes you think more about the things that you have with you or on you that you forget about why you're even being sent in the first place? So this is just that example, like, don't take anything with you. God will provide. Jehovah Jireh, right? God will provide. As long as you are being, as long as you're not doing it alone, as long as you have the right support, you will have everything you need. And then the last piece, I love, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there. And here's the best part, shake the dust off your feet. So when you're out there doing the work, coming from a good place, speaking like Amos, prophesying or just you know, leading by example with your fellow brother or sister. And there's going to be places where you're going to be super welcome. Stay there until you got to leave. But in the places where you're not as welcomed and you're not being listened to, it doesn't say turn around like in the scripture it doesn't say turn around, go back to Jesus, rehuddle regroup and figure out a different game plan it just says shake 
the dust off your feet. And then it goes to say in testimony against them, meaning like, yes, this is what you're going to say. This is how you feel. I'm going to shake it off. I'm not going to necessarily fight back, argue back. But I'm going to keep moving. And I think that's where we have to be careful because for some people are going to take that and go a whole nother direction with it. It's like, oh, well, people don't listen to me. Then I'm out. I'm done. See, the God thing doesn't work. The Catholic church thing doesn't work, right? Like, no, no, no. That's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is that when you are partnered up and paired up with people who are also mission driven, who have the same, who understand the mission at hand, who have the heart for the work, who have, who understand that they're uniquely and wonderfully made, that they have something to offer to build the kingdom, that they already have everything they need and they don't need to search for anything external to have to be successful at whatever God puts on their plate. When they have all that figured out, they're going to know that not everyone is going to take to what they say. Not everyone's going to understand it. So shake it off, but keep moving. Shake it off and move on to the next. Because if we weigh ourselves down with getting caught up in those types of debates those kinds of arguments and again it's good to have healthy dialogue but just know just know when it's time to shake the dust off and get back on track get back to what you're called to do and it doesn't mean that that was necessarily a loss especially if it's your friends or your family members or people you respect that maybe don't see it the way you see it But the more you spend trying to convince someone else or prove God or prove them wrong, the less opportunities you have to prove God right. The more you're taking away from blessing someone else that could use that blessing that you have. So how do you use your energy? How do you use your time? How do you share your faith? Do you, again... There's a difference between like healthy dialogue and conversation versus like trying to preach until your face turns blue and still get the same result. But but yeah, there's so much here that is just a reminder to us that you already have what you need. Partner up with the right people for this mission. And when you don't get accepted or when it's not... Well taken, shake the dust off, y'all. Just keep moving. We got you. God got you. God got us. This gospel reminds me of an introduction into the sport of wrestling, (laughs) at least at Vallejo High School. And I clearly remember sitting down with 60 other people on the mat. This was like a year after... Our, our national and our state champion, Mark Munoz, had just graduated. And so we had like the whole city trying to become wrestlers. And so our coach, Mike Minahan, great coach, great coach, great life coach, was able to intertwine life into the sport of wrestling. He'd pretty much do an inspirational talk every single day. he talk about what you need to do to be great. In the sport of wrestling, you needed to train hard every day. You needed to pay attention 
to the technique, you needed to train perfectly. Not that you would be perfect, but if you trained perfectly, then it would be easier for you to be victorious on the mat. He talked about the kind of diet that that I thought that was the mindset for all wrestling teams until I saw our crosstown rivals all eating Cheetos in the stand before our 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 dual meet. And here we were at Vallejo High, restricted from eating soda. You weren't allowed to eat chips. You could only drink water and Gatorade. You couldn't have any candy. If your teammates ever witnessed you eating candy, we would go through the the mill, which was later banned because it was a little too violent. So, but we won't go to that. But again, going back to the gospel, it, it reminds me of of a diet. It's almost like Jesus is giving us, hey, you want to do good in heaven? Here's the heavenly diet. And in conjunction with with other parts of scripture, he's telling us, don't take anything. You have everything you need. Going back to later in the, in the gospel history, where he goes and fasts and prays for 40 days. And he's basically showing us in this gospel like, you want to be like me? This is how I do it. You want to go out and do things that I'm doing? Here's the diet for it. And it's it's kind of cool that, just thinking about what I mentioned earlier with the second reading, how you truly are training yourself almost for like the heavenly Olympics. And he's straight up showing us that in order to do what I'm doing, first you need me. And then next, you need to follow these tenets. And he's teaching us, don't get too attached to stuff in the world. You can go out there and do this work without, without the specialty items of the day. You don't need, you don't need, you know, a GPS to share, to show you where you're going. Just go. I got you. I'm your GPS. You don't need an extra bag of clothes. Don't worry about that. I got you. He's showing us all we need is what he's given us. He's showing us don't be a don't be too attached to what's down there because you're not going to take it with you. There's almost a almost a, a not necessarily a prefigurement, but almost a, a parallel. You can't take your money with you when you die. You can't take those houses you bought when you die. You can't take the food that you stored away in a storehouse when you die. You all you leave that all behind. Once you move on, you have what you have in your soul. And it's almost like this is the Jesus diet to get into heaven. Here's a template. Practice it. And you'll be able to do things that I'm doing. And even greater things, I believe he mentions in, in part of scripture. You'll be able to do greater things than I've done. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. How am I going to do greater things than you? But he's showing us the way. And I think this gospel, in, in connection with the first reading about being called to do the work, he's showing us that it could be done, and it can be done without all the worldly stuff. So everything we have now is 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 kind of just an extra, not really required. And I think that's important to keep in mind. At least that's that's what I keep in mind when I'm hearing this scripture, is keeping that thought that, I'm training my soul how to behave after I die. 
I don't need anything with me when I go. If I teach my soul that what I need is God, maybe it might be easier for for the super honest soul to reach out for God. If I teach almost almost like and and I could kind of see it from from the fatherly perspective. If I teach my sons right now and I develop this habit for them and I teach them this habit of not being too attached to material things of always speaking the truth, of being kind, of developing that relationship with Christ. When it's their time to go, and I pray that's long before after I've gone, when it's their time to go, I pray that they've had these habits where when they see God and all his glory, they want to go straight to him. And I pray that they're not going, I want to bring my car with me. I want to bring the the hundred thousand dollars that I saved and I hope that all the things that could hold them back and make them hesitate from gravitating gra- gravitating gravitating towards the glory of God I hope that's not even you know on the radar I hope all they see is the glory of God and they go straight to him and I think this is what Jesus is trying to show us in this gospel focus on the source of of life focus on the source of all goodness and once you are totally focused on that and nothing can distract you it'll be easy for you to transition as a full citizen of heaven yes sir yes sir and bro Silo, while we while you got that fire lit bro let's let's go ahead and have you kick off final thoughts call to action some practical steps for our listeners based off today's readings that you'd like to leave them with to end today's podcast if i was to sum it up in a simple statement it would be a statement that i've always believed ever since i've been playing sports more specifically when i was wrestling because i think that's when you know, I matured into the mindset of what an athlete is supposed to be. And it's a, This is a simple saying, but it's practice how you're going to play. And the big game for you is in heaven. And so live the way you're meant to live as if you were in heaven already. A place without greed, a place without, without selfishness, a place just full of love practice that way down here as hard as it is as hard as it is and if you practice how you play guaranteed the the head coach is going to call you up to the big game and you'll be ready to go no hesitation you'll get on the court you'll get on the field you'll jump in the pool whatever the sport is if you practice how you play when that day comes you'll be ready no hesitation no nerves just someone who's ready because they've been practicing the way they're supposed to have been playing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It it inspired that idea, you know, how the saying start with the end in mind. And as you were, as you were speaking, I was like, what if we'd said operate with the end in mind? Like 
live your life right now like with the end in mind so brother jeremy final thoughts my bro so we've been talking about grace and and it would be it's an important exhortation to to our listeners that our source where we get grace from is the sacraments and and so frequent the sacraments and and if you've been baptized you've been given a, a great gift you've already been given that first installment the holy spirit and if if you're confirmed you've been sealed with the holy spirit and and that's a commissioning the, the, these sacraments are commissionings god does, doesn't give us graces to just you know, sit in our closet there because graces are gifts we're not meant to bury them in the sand or just stick them in our closet he gives us these gifts to use them and 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 so my my exhortation is you already have the gift you already have as brother ryan's been and brother carl's been talking about you have what you need uh, to do god's work you have the holy spirit and so this this is the the gospel is is kind of like a a little training ground in preparation for the 12 for when jesus ascends into heaven and then the the church is in their hands and it all kind of god leans on them to make sure that they they, they continue the work of christ and this is the kind of like a little taste of that but the the grace is real god will take these little actions the our little human actions and empower it and infuse his own kind of miracle into it and the effect will be so much more than we, uh, we could imagine it being if we just allow god to to work through it and so but it, it begins with with the sacraments and being baptized and embracing the gift of god in us man bro another shirt y'all another part another shirt for the jeremy collection the grace is real <laughs> leave it at that you said that i was like oh man there we go and, and for my final thoughts and call to action just to you know piggyback and add on to what my brother shared is that it's real simple don't do it alone like your faith is yes your faith ultimately you are held accountable for your faith it is your responsibility to to nurture it take care of it and grow it but it doesn't mean that you have to do it alone so i will pray we will pray for you to really seek out someone who is a practicing catholic if you're catholic and if you're not catholic and you're just a believer seek out believers who are living the life not lifestyle and let's be very clear here who are living the life that is full of joy and that's one thing that i've been really noticing more and more of on on social media find the people who are living the life of joy and not the life style and if we could just find those people and let's just bring it back to that your spiritual brother your spiritual sister people you can pray with go to mass with study bible with study the catechism with and really and, and 
even in the areas where you struggle with your faith and have those conversations and dialogues. That's what we're called to do, to be in community. To find a brother or sister, to find others who are also striving to do the same things you're doing. So you don't have to do this alone. I My heart breaks so many times when I would speak at conferences and adults specifically would come to me and share with me how they're trying to share their faith with their children, but their spouse, their husband and their wife doesn't practice or support it. Or even on the other end of it where young people say they really want to keep going to church and really get involved, but their parents aren't really into it like that. And again, no fault, no judgment on on those folks, but just know like even if you don't have maybe the strongest faithful people even in your own family, one keep praying for them, but that doesn't mean you have to do it alone. And, and I share this from personal experience. My mom and dad, as Brother Carla and Brother Jeremy, they, they didn't teach CCD. They weren't. The only faithful thing they did was make sure that we went to Mass every weekend, whether it was Saturday, 530 at St. Vincent's, or Sunday when we started going to St. Basil. But they were very faithful at going to Mass, and that was it. And that was to the extent, like, my mom never taught me the rosary. If she did, I, I definitely forgot. I, we never did it regularly. Prayer at, at dinner before meals. Honestly, none of that stuff actually started until I started going to confirmation and youth group and and started, like, really implementing and asking, hey, can we pray together? And they were like, okay, <laughs> which... I ended up being default, but for many years, I didn't have that type of relationship with my parents in the sense that they weren't leading me in that way, but it didn't discourage me from finding those who could help me in that way, which is why the Deacon Arrows, the Uncle Chucks, the Auntie Julie's, the Auntie Cats, the Annabelle's and Stan's, like all play different spiritual figures in my life and of course you brothers here and the many other brothers and sisters in Christ that we journeyed with being an only child until I was 25 I felt so alone at home spiritually but I didn't end up doing it alone so if you're in that kind of situation right now where you're like no one at my house is down with God like that or my spouse isn't really into it. Don't it's like don't give up on them. But partner up with someone who's gonna help you grow and that you can also help them grow. And let that be the model that you take back to your family, to your husband, to your wife, to your kids. Find that community and just continue to grow in that way. Because this is part of the commissioning that we're all called to do. And you already have everything you need. Whew. All right, y'all. There it is. 15th Sunday, Ordinary Time, episode number 20. We want to thank you again for just really, really digging in with us 
and spending time with us as we are again just pouring out everything from our heart and our minds to each and every one of you listening please remember to continue to pray for us because we will always yes we will always be praying for you amen amen yo 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 yeah 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 (laughs) all right y'all peace